In today's episode, we have physiotherapist Charlie Goodchild, who runs his business better out of London, United Kingdom. We go in this episode into his experience through Canary Wharf, where we actually started. Uh, and since then, he's gone on to work for Saracens, the FA and Pure Sports Medicine, where we coincidentally actually reconnected after all those years. We go into his business, why he got started in physiotherapy, his philosophy, just modern day wisdom, and also the importance of having a network. So all that and more, tune into this episode of Into the Unknown. Welcome to the Into the Unknown podcast, the show that dives into all things fitness, politics, mindset, current affairs, sports, and everything in between. With a generous sprinkling of humor, at least on my part, and pop culture, I'm Connor Campbell. And I'm Yushan Su. So without further ado, plug in, sit back, and enjoy being taken into the unknown. Good afternoon or good evening if you're listening in the UK. We on today's podcast have our first practitioner in Mr. Charlie Goodchild, a longtime colleague and friend way back when we used to work together in Canary Wharf in the good old days. Uh, Charlie has since then gone on to do some fantastic things from Saracens to the FA, Pure Sports Medicine, where we actually reconnected after all of those years. Uh, probably four or five years uh, without even knowing that we we both worked at the same place again uh, and finally venturing into running his own business known as Better. Without giving away too many spoilers, uh, Charlie, we're just going to bring you straight in. And first of all, thank you so much for giving up time in your busy schedule with work, but also at home uh, to come on and chat to us. So Charlie, mate, how are you doing? It's good to have you on. Hello, thanks very much for having me on, Connor. Uh, you shine as well. It's a um, pleasure to be on, actually. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming as you on. Know, Connor, as you know, I'm um, uh, struggling to get <laughs> get stuff done with with my own podcast at the moment. So you kindly came on 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 my podcast a few months back, and I've still yet to edit it. So you're putting me to shame, getting in there early, and no doubt you'll have this out before you, before your episodes out. So yeah, my absolute <laughs> pleasure to repay the favor and come on for you guys. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. And uh, like I mentioned in the introduction, we we go way back um, when I first started actually uh, working in, out in Canary Wharf. Uh, I was a young, super young coach, very inexperienced, um, definitely, definitely suffering from the Dunning-Kruger effect of coming out of <laughs> university and thinking yeah. that I knew everything and realizing after meeting you and a couple of the other practitioners, I didn't actually know as much as I thought. Um, and what what I want to start with really is, first of all, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got to where you are today. Um, what led you into physiotherapy? Because I don't actually think I know why you got into physiotherapy. Um, you know, kind of bring us up to speed up until this point. Sure, sure. Um, well, I guess let, let's start with the first point about um, where we met. So that was um five years into my career i think and um at this stage i'd been, spent a lot of time uh, working on my own in in treatment rooms in very small teams not really seeing that many other practitioners so it was quite it was quite nice to be in that gym that we were both based in uh, and seeing pts essentially working 
uh, and just doing different exercises that I'd seen before. And, and I must admit that the average PT that was there wasn't all that good, but you did actually stand out. So we were just talking about your your not so big head off off air, but um, it, I'll give you a little bit of a big head here because I, I remember watching you and thinking, actually, this guy does know what he's doing. And I was quite intrigued by some of the things you were trying and you always look to be doing something a bit different to the average PT. So I'm not surprised to, to see you kind of go, go on and be creative and do, do other things in your life and be a success. So, I mean, firstly, we'll just go, go with that because that's, that's kind of my first memory of you. Mm. Um, and then obviously we met again at Pure Sports Medicine quite some years after. Um, but let, let me go back to the, the other part then, so what got me into physio. So I'll give you a, the longish version. Feel free to cut me off if it, if it's getting a bit too long. But when I was a teenager, I was absolutely obsessed with sport, and and probably I still am now, really. But um, certainly, I'd pl I'd be playing football, rugby, cricket, uh, any every day of the week, pretty much. And despite that, I realised I wasn't actually that good at it. <laughs> I was okay, but I was never going to be a professional athlete. So my professional athlete dreams kind of um, were. were were pretty quick to die when I when I realized that so I I was trying to think of ways to stay in sport that meant that I could uh that, that didn't matter that I wasn't any good at it so physio was just something that came to my mind seeing um Colin Lewin running on and for Arsenal you know I'm an Arsenal fan so watching Colin Lewin run on and and do his thing I thought oh that's not a bad thing to do so I, it was in my head in in my mid-teens I guess and then I was put off it by a number of teachers careers advice so say so they called themselves careers advisors and they said oh it's a really hard course to get on and you know not not necessarily guaranteed to do it and at that age I wasn't I wasn't necessarily that bothered about like really knuckling down and working that hard I was just more interested in playing sport and and you know going out with my friends so I, I was doing okay for grades but as soon as I heard the words you're gonna have to try hard I kind of went oh no maybe maybe it's not for me then so shelved it for a while went off to college um found out about this degree called sports science which i actually um i mean sport i like sport science i was quite good at science i thought well i'll, I'll aim for that um so i did uh, a levels that kind of geared me towards that um kind of got in without necessarily you know I, I kind of cruised myself in without trying that hard again um but it was a bit of a wake-up call a level realizing i'd hadn't tried that hard didn't i got average grades but realized that it wasn't like my gcse's where i cruised and did quite well um so that was the first wake-up call of you know you're gonna have to maybe start trying a bit harder if you want to succeed in life uh, and i think it was university where i really decided to knuckle down actually i just something clicked something i just decided that i was ready to to learn properly rather than coast uh did reasonably well in my degree and really enjoyed it actually i really enjoyed the sports science degree but got to the end of that three years and realized that it's quite hard really to become a sports scientist. There's not a huge amount of sports science jobs. Um, didn't really want to be a PE teacher. Uh, a lot of other people on that course ended up doing all sorts of diverse things that were quite unrelated. And I just thought that maybe physio would be worth um, thinking about again. There was a master's where you could accelerate and do the three-year degree in two years. I thought, do you know what? It's still sitting there. It's still still something i'm keen on so yeah i went down that route and became a physio um i had to lie in the interview and say that i was interested in all forms of physio but actually really it was always going to be musculoskeletal and with it with an eye on on working in sport um uh, and it was a pretty full-on masters but yeah by the end of it i went straight into a, a an msk role in private practice because there was no rotational jobs basically normally as a physio you go in 
and do your rotations in the NHS where you do a bit of respiratory, a bit of kind of A&E stuff or um, uh, community, neuro, loads of different stuff. And I couldn't get a job in that. And six months working on a building site, getting some money, I thought, well, I'll take whatever comes first. So I went straight into private practice and have been in, pretty much been in private practice ever since alongside some work in sport along on I suppose I did one year where I was nearly full-time in sport, which is the Saracens job. But other than that, pretty much been in private practice. Wow. You managed to go through, well, A-levels, uni, well, I feel like I've heard your whole life story. I know. Well, well, you, you, asked, you asked me the question. I thought I'd start where it began and I'll no. from there. So I think it's great to, to be able to kind of go through where you where you first gained that passion and when you first decided actually, um, you know, yeah, I want to be a physio. I think it's, it's funny because a lot of people who get into our profession and I know that I, I don't necessarily want to tarish with the same brush as you know, me being an SNC coach, you being a physio, but it is, it's, it is the same industry. Uh, we do different jobs in the industry, but it is the same industry that I hear kind of passion pieces from coaches um and i do i just find it interesting to to hear how practitioners got into it um you know i'll admit as well that i don't think i'd ever be as good at sport as i am at coaching um so i definitely resonate with uh yeah. with that comment yeah. um yeah so it's really interesting one thing that i wanted to pick out actually um before before uh, you I bring Yushan in because I know that he's itching to unmute and 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 dig in. Is you you mentioned slightly offhandedly that um you just decided one day actually I'm going to apply myself. Um, I know that we've had conversations in the past about kind of being able to get more buy-in from from physio patients and from just athletes in general, and I think. It's interesting that you just mentioned that because ultimately, uh, and we'll go into you know your the your business being set up uh, in, in a minute, but it's just interesting that it it sometimes really is that easy to just make a comment and say you know what actually maybe I should just try um, yeah, a, and throw caution to the wind. Do you know what I th I, th I think it was when I when I reflect on it? It wasn't necessarily a, a, a I didn't know this at the time, but when I think mm -hmm. back to it. I think it was the point where I, I was disappointed with my A level results. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd done well in my GCSEs without trying that hard, and thought that that was just how I would just get through everything. Yeah, and then all of a sudden I was quite disappointed with some of my A level results, and thought, shit, that was me. It was, mm. That was my that was my problem there. I needed to deal with that, and it was the first time in my life I think where I'd found something harder than I expected, and it was my fault because I hadn't really tried mm. hard enough. And I didn't really like that feeling. It, it jarred with my values, I guess. I did, I'm yeah. not sure I was able to articulate that at the time, but I didn't want that to happen again. So once I got into uni, thought, well, there's no one. So uh, the difference is at school, there's always someone there telling you what to do. You go to college yeah. and all of a sudden you, you've got free time and you can go out with your mates and, and mm. skip class if you want and nothing bad happens. Yeah. Except for getting bad grades. And it, it just bothered me. It wasn't even bad really, but it just bothered me. I was like, Oh, hang on a minute. I'm just average. <laughs> so I, yeah. I don't like that feeling. I really like to to achieve, and it's something that's kind of shone through, I guess, in in the later part of my as I as I got older, I've just enjoyed pushing myself and learning new things. Yeah, but I didn't realize that until I failed. 
Yeah, for sure. And it only really takes that one thing where you sort of reflect back. This is why I'm always kind of talking to people like, yeah, you know, journaling is a big part of my life because it's not necessarily trying to plan ahead, but it's actually looking back and figuring out, you know, different scenarios and how can I learn from what happened? Um, and a lot of people, I myself, one of the first podcasts we ever recorded for for this, for our podcast was, you know, we asked each other the question, what are we afraid of? And for me, my biggest fear is the fear of failure. And it's not necessarily inwards of myself. It's that I just don't particularly like people thinking that I failed. Um, but in reality, failure is not necessarily, you know, not passing an exam or not making it to pro it's giving up is failing. Like yeah. there's always going to be another scenario to be able to apply yourself. You just have to take a step back and reflect and say, well, what could I've done better? And yeah. so it's, how... not failure. it's learning. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. <laughs> yeah, so you all you're doing it. is just yeah. twisting it really, aren't you? You're just putting a positive spin on it and saying, well, yeah. all right. I mean, it's good to step back and grieve, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so at the same time, book, um, black yeah. box thinking isn't there from absolutely uh, Matthew side, which is yeah. all about learning from failure you know, rather mm. than seeing failure as a, as a negative and as a bad thing. It's about using it as an opportunity to figure out where you can improve next time. Mm -hmm. And I think in general, healthcare isn't very good at, at that. We, we kind of shy away from it. And when we do, sometimes we don't even know whether we've succeeded or failed with our clients, right? Mm -hmm. Because you decide on something. And the progress is either going to be really slow or non-existent. And, and a lot of the time you, you, your client might not even come back and you don't know why or, yeah. or they get better really slowly, but you don't know whether they were just going to get better really slowly anyway. So it's really hard sometimes to learn whether the thing you did was right or the thing you did just got lucky. Mm. I think that's why it's really tough to to learn in, in healthcare, I believe, and, and same in fitness as well. Like how do you know definitely that the decision you made was right? It's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. 100%. Hundred percent. I love that because it's like you can kind of apply that that to everything, and you know, even with from like a competition or a, or a performance perspective, you know, you go you train and you have a routine and you have a plan and program, and then you go compete or you go perform and it goes well. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's because of all the things you've been doing. Mm -hmm. A lot of it could be sort of external factors or. A it's funny isn't it because like <laughs> just just based on that concept around athletes this is where a lot of the time athletes take on superstitions because they they don't like the feeling of being out of control of those things yeah so yeah. They, they create these superstitions oh well i performed really well that time and i was wearing my lucky pants inside out yeah. so therefore i'm going to wear my lucky pants inside out for every competition mm -hmm. when it's got nothing to do with the lucky pants but in, in their mind it except, helps them it gives them an anchor point, lucky right? pants. yeah like, yeah so it's well, fascinating that kind of stuff yeah absolutely um so i want to move on to the kind of the main crux of you know why we why i wanted to bring you on and why we wanted to bring you on to the podcast was i just you know we i speak to a lot of physios and i i have a lot of physio friends being in the industry and i i i definitely think that having a network of practitioners around you allows you to not just bounce off each other, but also be able to be in with the right crowd. You know, it opens good doors. It allows you to 
gain business for each other, right? You have good physios who know good coaches, who know good athletes, and and it's like a good circle of circle of life. Yeah. Um, so what I really want to go into is better. Um, could you explain us explain to us a little bit around your philosophy of why you decided to go with the name? Um, and also, you know, what does the clinic provide? What do you what do you aim to do and what does the business aim to do as a practitioner and as a, a physiotherapy clinic? Here we go. You're gonna get another long version. <laughs> yeah. Buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, what we're here for yeah let, let's let's start from where the so, so better wasn't the original um idea it's the it started off as um in lockdown actually i was doing a little bit of self-discovery as we all were in lockdown i had a bit of extra time i was doing some reading and i was reading a book called start with why by simon sinek and it, it kept challenging me to think about what my why was what what why do I do what I do? Why do I keep pushing to, you know, learn all the time and, and challenge myself and improve? Why do I keep doing that? What What is it about me that does that? So I was trying to come up with this thing in my head that made some sense. And I landed on this phrase that um, I used to work in England Futsal. In fact, I've just gone back to working with him, but that's a slight irrelevance to the story. So the, the head coach was a guy called Michael Scubala, who's uh, funnily enough, he's actually the the the, in, the, the standing Leeds um, head coach at the moment because the head coach just got sacked. Um, so he was standing in until they replaced him. But he used to be the England futsal head coach, a great guy. And he used to say to the players all the time, come on, guys, better never ends. Literally, come on, better never ends. Keep pushing yourself. Always think, what can you be doing? And every time he said it, I was like, oh, I love that concept. I love that idea. But it didn't really stick with me um, beyond that. It just Every time he said it, I liked it. And then I was reading this book and it kept coming back to me. So I thought, oh, actually, that is that is the way I live my life, isn't it? Better never ends. Every time I, I feel like I've stopped learning about something or I feel like I've, I've kind of peaked, I then look for something else. I then look for another way of improving and, and betterment. Kind of summed up in my, my rugby career, I guess. I, I played rugby most of my adult life. Felt like I was always trying to try my hardest to improve, you know, do my best um in that kind of average level <laughs> you know and 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 then I got to I, I had, a, had an injury in my mid-20s I had back surgery I was off for um a year really kind of two probably about two years in the end um but I felt like it was unfinished business because I I didn't want to leave I didn't want to finish my career on a on an injury so I went back I think I was 28 maybe 29 when I went back and had another two really good years um but decided that I was I think 31 when I stopped that I just stopped getting better and I wasn't able to train enough. And therefore I, I realized I wasn't enjoying it because I couldn't really live out that of better never ends. Uh, again, at that time, I didn't necessarily know this, um, but I'd stumbled on like running. I used to hate running, but I ended up running and I did a few months of running, trying to get fit for the three peaks challenge. And then I started to enjoy it because I was getting faster. And I, and again, it kind of gave me more evidence that really I'm making these choices because I like to do something that I can develop at, grow at, learn at, be better at. And that's when I, I was, it was locked down and I'm reading this book thinking, why do I keep making these choices? What am I doing? Better never ends, just kept coming back. Um, so I started a podcast with a colleague of mine, Andy Goodall, called The Health Space. And it was all about kind of trying to be, trying to give good health advice based on this principle of better never ends. Um. So yeah, we, we practiced making a brand and we got thinking about it, but it didn't really go much further than that, than the than the kind of 
15 or so episodes of podcasting that we did um because uh, i was quite happy at pure really pure sports medicine a, a sort of medicine sports medicine company in london so i was quite happy there but it never went away that concept of better never ends and it and it started to guide my my reading and started to guide all the all my learning that i was doing is does it serve that that value and then about a year ago i realized that i um would just stop learning again so i was in a i was the head of the physio team at pure and it was, it was quite busy and I didn't really feel like I was doing it justice because not only was I felt like I wasn't learning anymore, I felt like I wasn't helping others learn that well because it was, it was too many people over the, the, the days that I had. So it just made me feel a little bit like I, I was plateauing again. Um, so I, I was thinking in my mind and had a few conversations with people, how am I going to deliver on this better never ends concept? Um, and a conversation with a, a consultant and, a, and then another physio just ended up with me deciding that actually I just need to go and create something that is my own, that I can really live out this, this concept of better never ends. Uh, and then, yeah, that's where the name better came from. I suppose it's a bit, bit catchier as a brand name than better never ends. I like it as a tagline, but, but the brand name better um, just allows uh, the business to grow as a health and performance business. That's essentially how it started. So I'm a physio. I've got a strength and conditioning coach working with me, James Phillips. I've got, um, uh, an acupuncturist and, and a massage clinician who's doing some work in pain and wellness and hyperbaric medicine. So he's he's coming in and they're all people who I really believe in that can deliver on this better never ends concept. Another physio, Matt Murray Downing, who's come on board recently as well, who who's worked in performance sports, who really understands that that concept as well. So I'm really trying to live out that that now through my business. And it's been so much fun. Honestly, I started working on it probably April last year. And I, it's just mm. as much as it was exhausting as I was sort of trying to straddle working at Pure and um, running this business. The last two weeks just working in, in the business has been amazing. It's been yeah, so rewarding and so enjoyable. Because it's also it starts off as just like a little passion project, a side, a side hustle. Yeah. Um, you know, it was the same as me when I started Stoic uh, and Yushram was one of my first clients. And I it's interesting that you mentioned Simon Sinek's book start with why because that was actually one of the first books that I read when I was initially thinking about starting my own business stoic strength systems and that's the reason why I decided to name it stoic strength systems was it fit with my belief and my belief was you don't necessarily have to be physically strong um you don't necessarily have to be mentally strong but what you need to be able to do is just try as well as you can in whatever you do. doesn't matter whether it's equestrian or weightlifting or even just someone coming back into rehab, but there's always a point where you can meet people and make them understand that sometimes you can't control everything. And in most cases you can't. Um, and that really resonated like this kind of stoicism kind of way of life really resonated that, People Unless you're wearing those lucky, lucky pants on back to front, you might, <laughs> That's you might it. be able to control that. <laughs> exactly. Um, and what, what I find interesting, actually, as you were talking there, was a couple of things that I pointed out. I realize that I'm just talking over you, Shwan, at this point as well. So I, I apologize. And I always do it. Um, one thing that you mentioned was, you know, you said uh whilst you whilst whilst you were kind of coming up with the idea of 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 better and the tagline better never ends you mentioned something that 
I picked up on, which is was essentially that you were just spinning the wheels, you know, that there was no actual traction, um, which can sometimes be quite difficult. And I'm not sure if you've read uh, any of James Clear's stuff, um, Atomic Habits, Atomic Habits yeah. exactly. And what what I noticed when you were talking about better was, you know, and essentially what Simon Sinek talks about is your why is also your system. And your, if you have a system, it's so much more robust because it ingrains itself into every little thing that you do, regardless of whether you realize that or not. And so it's no longer just spinning the wheels. Like if you have a system, you're always going to have some traction. Um, and I've, you know, it, it's sometimes it's difficult to read books and apply that into everyday life. But if I can recommend any two books, and I'm sure you will as well, is Start With Why and Atomic Habits. Um, and yeah. those two books really formed the way that I, or the way that I'm thinking about you setting up better and also just the way that I also set up you know, Stoke Strength Systems is, it's a system, you know, it's yeah. not, it's, it's, and it's ever changing and ever growing, right? Yeah, so I've, I've probably called it a process rather than a system, but I, mm. I, it means the same thing, right? So in my head, it's like, it's no, it's not, it's not a, a an end goal. It's just mm -hmm. a process that, that I just keep going through and it will serve me through whichever journey I take. But it, it's like, I, I now know what my journey roughly looks like, but I don't mm -hmm. really know what the destination is going to be. Um, and, and actually that... I'm halfway through one of Simon Sinek's other books, Infinite Purpose, which, oh, sorry, Infinite Games, I think it's called Infinite Games, which I'm reading it. I'm like, oh, I've got this. That's what Better Never Ends is for me. I'm like, I've got it. I'm like, this is cool. This is like really the first time when I read his book, it was totally revolutionary for me. It was like, mm. man, I need to figure this stuff out. I don't know it. And I'm reading this third one. I'm like, it's been three years since I read the books. I've got so much more clarity. And it was like, it was really nice to read that. And, um and, and feel like I've, I've got something going on at the moment i've got something that's working out for me and it's making me feel really satisfied with 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 my life and with my work and yeah i can't see myself running out of things to do now because ultimately better never ends right so yeah absolutely i mean it never <laughs> ends absolutely I'm yeah enjoying it. It's been fun. um i'm actually going to give Speaking you someone of, a chance um... to talk now because uh that's very kind of you <laughs> just gonna not say anything now no um, i'm stopping no, now. I, I wanted to um i, wa I wanted to pick up on because you know talking about process and system and things like that and, and sort of creating your own process or your own system and implementing that um into something like like better you know is it you know, from what I gather and this kind of service that you provide or the product that you provide, it seems very holistic. You know, you have SNC coaches on board as well as other physiotherapists and acupuncturists and things like that. Whereas I, I personally know, for example, a lot of physios who would be like, oh, no, physio is the only way, you know, um, all the other stuff is just bullshit. And then I know like chiropractors who say the same thing or people who do acupuncture yeah. who might say similar things. What gave you the sort of, I guess, motivation or, or belief that it is this kind of holistic system. And we keep coming back to the word system, but like this sort yeah. of holistic approach and sort of multifaceted approach that that works and that's what you believe in and that works for other people. There's an element of, I guess there's a couple of things that on my mind when you ask that question. The, the, the first part is probably the fact that I've played and worked in sport for 
pretty much my entire well yeah my entire life in in some fashion so i'm always aware that there's lots of different people involved and it's always been team sports as well up until i started running there's always other people involved that are needed to achieve your goals and there's no point in me as the 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 center um, trying to take on 15 other players in rugby i'm never going to win you need the other 14 players in order to achieve your goal so there's probably an element of that that comes in um there's also a, a, an experience part too. When you're a younger physio, you probably do get a bit, um, a bit naive and think that you can fix everything. Um, and, and then further into my career, I started to accept that that's ridiculous. That's totally ridiculous. Like, there's loads of people <laughs> who I can't help. There's, and I'm totally cool with that. I'm, I don't mind that anymore. Uh, I, I know that my process is uh, seems to work for the average person. And, and and I think I help a lot of people, but I don't help everyone. I'm quite open with that in the first session. I always have a backup plan set within their, their, their initial assessment plan at the end. If things don't go the way we want them to go, we activate the backup plan because I don't know whether this is definitely going to work, but this is the way we're going to go. So within that backup plan, there might be, I think you might need to a second opinion or you might need to see one of my colleagues, whatever that might be. There's just options for them to, explore other ways of getting better i think that the longer in my career the more comfortable i've got with my own way of practice and and as a result of that i've also got comfortable with the things that i'm not very good at you know i don't dabble in pilates i don't dabble in acupuncture anymore i used to do a bit of it and just realize there's other people out there doing way more of this than me that know how to do it better same with like s and c i'm a strength and conditioning uh I, I know the strength and conditioning principles i'm i'm informed in the in the concepts but I'm not a strength and conditioning coach. So I can take people through good quality rehab using strength and conditioning principles. But the moment they get back into reasonable level training, they don't need me anymore. They need to go and see a coach who can then help them with performance. That's the way in my head I tend to tend to shape it for an athlete if I'm working with an athlete. I can get you back to training, but once you're in training, you don't need me anymore. You need to go and see a, a, a coach to help you with performance. So that that's probably, I, I guess it's just like experience in, in, in the whole that, allows me to be yeah. a bit more comfortable with what I'm good at and also be totally cool with what I'm not very good at. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And, you know, it's it's refreshing as well because mm -hmm. in my experience, like I've had to, I almost felt like I've had to even like keep it a secret. Uh, yeah. like, you know, I go see my physio and I would never tell him that, you know, I've been, I've been cheating on him a bit. I've been seeing a Cairo on the side or I've had some yeah. acupuncture sessions and then he'd see like, you know, like the needle marks and be like, oh, what's this? And be like, oh, yeah. I've just been chewing up. But um... <laughs> well, I've got but... I've, I, at Pure Sports Medicine it was quite a big team. So you've got a number of different clinicians all around you. And every now and again, you see one of your patients, old, old patients with another clinician. It's like, huh, how about that? <laughs> and you're, yeah. It's like, oh, no, I, I didn't quite get it right. And then you kind of get over yourself a little bit and you go, oh, you yeah. know, there's loads of possible reasons and maybe they just didn't get on with you. Maybe you didn't help them. And that's OK. You know, I'm ne ne like I said earlier, I'm never going to help everyone. So there's probably a bit of that where you just get used to it and you just sort of realize that there's lots of people out there and you're not going to be able to help every everyone. And that's OK. And there's other people that have got skills that I haven't got that that person may well be benefiting more from. Mm. the other thing is well, i just want to i want oh, to uh, well i, I want to rewind a little bit um and this might piss connor off because it goes off the rails of his brief he's a lot more organized than i am because when i bring guests on i just we just freestyle it but um <laughs> you know with all that you're doing now with your own business and you mentioned earlier that you worked as well for saracens and um you know I, it's no secret that i'm a big saracens fan even 
like before and after all the scandals. But um, anyway, like I just I'm really interested to hear sort of what well what you what you were able to take away from from working at Ceres and working in that environment and how that has sort of impacted the way that you have your approach and your system and the way that you run your business now. Yeah, um, I started working in sport probably in about two years in. I managed to absolutely land on my feet, total fluke, with uh, a job at the FA working in disability football. Uh, it was like, I remember getting massive imposter syndrome, like, what the hell am I doing here? How have I got this job? Um, and to this day, still work in the FA. So it was a real lucky opportunity that I've managed to to stick and grab hold of and, and pretty much keep hold of most of the time. But I then I worked in Saris because I got an opportunity working with, I was working with Essex Rugby at the time as well. Um, and they always have a bit of involvement in the county setups. Uh, and Essex was their county that they kind of looked after, I guess. Um, so I had a few conversations with the academy physio. They got in touch and said, there's an opportunity that's come up in our academy. Um, I interviewed for the job and didn't get it actually the first time around. And then the next time I interviewed again and I did get it. So um, I went along and I take, took a bit of a, a risk because I was, this was four years into my career and I was doing quite well at another company. I was in a management role and I was getting paid quite well. And I took a massive pay cut to, to, to stop doing that and work at Saracens Academy part-time. So I was doing, I mean, to say part-time, it felt closer to full-time. Mm-hmm. But the pay was really poor. Uh, the travel was really annoying. I had to travel like two hours a day there uh, to get there and back. Um, and I was essentially on my own. I was working in the the um, Ace Academy. So it's kind of not even the actual Saracens Academy. It's like the college part of it. Um, I, le- I did learn a lot. I really did. Um, but I pretty much learned everything I was going to learn in the first year. And then I went for a job in the actual academy and I didn't get it. Um, it, at the time it was one of the hardest things I've ever done because the first job I didn't get, I, I wasn't too bothered because I, I didn't necessarily think I was going to get it. But the second one, when I was aiming at that academy, I thought I'd done well enough in that first year to get it. So I was really, really knocked by that. Um, so, so I guess there's, there's a few things I learned. Firstly, I learned how to work in a team so in, in, as a physio, like properly, because I was there full time. Uh, secondly, yeah. I learned that I wasn't a huge fan of like pretty much full-time sport. You do a lot of standing around watching training. You do a lot of watching, traveling to games. You do a lot of stuff that isn't actually being a physio. You only see the same type of injury day in, day out, really. You work with the same players. You don't really have to work that hard with like building a rapport because you've already got it from like the first few weeks because you're you're part of the team. So I guess I just felt myself getting a bit stale again. Um, And it was a bit weird because I totally thought that my career would be working in sport. I thought once I was in that, I had my foot in the door, I thought that would be it. Um, And again, I'm not sure I realized this because I did go for that other job and then I didn't get it. But maybe that was a good thing because that Mm. prompted me to go back into working full-time private practice. That was the year I met you, Connor. So I went to, to work at Nuffield Health. And then my stripes a bit, I kind of learned how to be a better physio just by seeing patients kind of back to back, day in, day out, and just got got to be a better physio. So I'm I kind of maybe a lucky escape. I don't know. Like who knows? Maybe it would have worked out if I did get the job and I'd have been fine. But in hindsight, I think I quite like seeing different types of injuries, different types of people and figuring those out. I think that suits my brain a little bit better, perhaps. Or maybe yeah. that's just the story I tell myself to feel a bit better about yeah. not getting that job. Um, but, but yeah. Maybe a bit of both. Yeah, probably. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I um I I think I reached a similar point to you, Charlie, as well, that my dream was always to work for a professional sports club. Um and I did have the chance to do that when I was at King's. Uh, you know, I worked with Tottenham Women's, uh, which was great fun. Um, but I agree with you that it it you kind of have this illusion, you're under this illusion in perform like high performance sports where you're like, yes, I'm gonna be able to make so much difference. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to dissuade people from going into high performance sports because I know that there's there's probably a few people that listen to this who are either looking to go into it or already are. Um, oh yeah, like don't get I've... me wrong. Like Tim Maynard, one of my one of my good colleagues and friends, yeah. is an amazing physio work he's like the head physio at fulham and he's doing a cracking job and he loves it yeah. absolutely loves it and he's yeah. so well suited to him yeah it's just i recognized that it wasn't right for me yeah exactly and that that's i mean you put it much better than i would ever have been able to put it it's it's it wasn't suited to me uh you know i feel like i work a lot better with individuals even if it's individuals within a team mm. um where you have much more say over you know, the direction that you're going to take their physiotherapy and actually them, in my opinion, the way that the way that I saw it was actually they, uh, they appreciate the work that you do more. Uh, and I know that's not always the same with everybody, but at least that in my experience, yeah. that's what I found uh, was working with. So Yushuan is a great example, right? Uh, he's part of a big team. Uh, I work with him individually and I, I assume and I, I I know that he appreciates the work that we do together. That's what he tells um, you anyway. Yeah, that's what he tells me anyway. The other thing is I'm, I still do work in sport, but it, yeah. it suits me better to dip in and out a bit yeah, on for sure. weekend training camps and, and tournaments uh, in the way that I'm able to do with England Futsal and, and yeah. England Power Chair, the, the, the two squads I'm still with. So Amazing. I just figured out what what suited my 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 life better, I guess, and my yeah. my aspirations better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, going into life, that was a great segue, Charlie. It's almost mm. like you read the read uh, what we were going on to next. Um, it's almost like you run a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you know you kind of have a mixture of of uh, patients and clients that you work with day to day during the week whether it be the kind of everyday athlete, whether it be the weekend warrior, whether it be, you know, high performance athletes where it is their job to perform. What kind of advice can you give to the everyday athlete about managing stress and load through the week? Um, you know, based on your experience, you know, I know that it's not just a business that you run. You also have stresses outside of, of the business in your life. Um, so yeah, I'd just love to hear a, a little bit of wisdom from you in terms of how you would go about that. I think the, um, the common, the common theme around like injuries, I guess, is that there's a really clear cause to every injury, a, a bad tackle, you've uh, trained too much or, you know, something that is like a really specific injury that's caused it. But normally it's, it's way more complicated than that and 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 we quite often don't ever know the cause of of the injury at all in fact it's more common than not that that is the case so in those 
less obvious situations where an injury has just happened um, seemingly out of the blue, we have to take into consideration all of the other factors that are going on in this athlete's life. So um, I, I think it's so important that we ask about things that are more than just what happened at the time of the injury. We've got to go quite deep in this, in my opinion. I think we need to be asking them about their training habits, their sleep habits, their um, their stress levels. Are they going through anything different in their life right now? Um, what's their diet like? Have they changed anything? Are they trying to lose weight? Are they are they trying to gain weight? What is going on in their life right now that that's not obvious to us? And to do that, you've got to connect, right? So you can't just go in all guns blazing and ask these questions to an athlete that you you, you don't really know or, or one that you've not really um, spent the time to to get to know. So so much of what we do is is around the softer skills of communication and and really really trying to build a connection uh, using empathy as a real tool to connect. You know, not not just coming in trying to figure out the diagnosis, but but really get to the to the nitty gritty of what's going on in in their life. You never know what you're going to get by being curious. Really be curious about them and really take the time to understand. And actually, quite often as physios, we get we get this kind of concept where people treat us like therapists. You know, physiotherapists. We actually get the therapist part every now and again where they just open up you ask the right question you create an environment and they just go <laughs> and they just and then you get tears you get you get heartache you get stories about their nan their dead dog you know all, all sorts of stuff will come out because you've created an environment that allows them to really truly relax and be themselves so yeah that's the, that's the advice i'd give to to not just physios by the way because I, I think this is true of of any coach any therapist that's trying to connect with their athlete really take the time to get to know them and think about them as a person before you think about them as an athlete yeah i really resonate with that that's actually one of the pieces of advice that you gave me perhaps unknowingly uh in a conversation that we had at nuffield was you have to understand the person before you understand the sport the athlete the needs analysis whether they need to develop power whether they need to be stronger you know blah 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 um, is is just understand the person and we've I've had many conversations this is how Yushuan and I became such good friends was I understood him before I understood <laughs> what he needed in the sport and also he knows his sport far better than I'll ever be able to research and he knows himself yeah. so if That's I can key. just cut out the middle That's man the key and right say, there. dude can you just tell me what you actually need like what do you need to get better that saves me things. hours and yeah. hours of work and research. Yeah. Um, so here's know. two things that, that really make sense of that concept there. So I might be the expert in the, the human body and, and, and I might have all this knowledge in being a physio, but the person in front of me is the expert in themselves. Yeah. That's so important. We should not assume anything until we have heard it from them. Okay. That's, that's really, really important. Mm. The other part is that, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I heard Absolutely. that quote from someone and it's just like so, so true. Like if if you are just busy trying to show off all the knowledge that you've got, it's a waste of time because they don't care. You've got to, you've got to really show that you're bothered by it. You, you really want to know about what they're going through and, and the, the struggles that they've got. That's essentially uh, uh, empathy. You've got to be able to show empathy. Yeah, Absolutely. 
appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's uh, a great piece of advice that I was given when we first started working together. Was no... I actually don't, I can't, can't believe I had that level of wisdom back back then. That was ages ago. You <laughs> Honestly, me. I, I don't even know if you knew that you were saying it. You right. kind of just said it offhandedly. You know, you. I was like, can you like, what's what's like a piece of advice that you that you can get to to get to know the person a little bit better? Because you know, the environment that we worked in in Nuffield, it wasn't necessarily uh conducive of people that actually wanted to be there it's probably an, a, a good way of putting it right they they either needed to be there or they were forced to be there because they injured themselves or lower back pain whatever it might be and uh i i just remember you specifically just saying well actually it helps if you just ask them you know get to know them and it breaks yeah. down so many walls and so many barriers uh that you would never be able to break down if you just assumed um straight away um yeah so appreciate that advice uh and i'm sure that the people listening will <clears throat> hopefully heed that advice because he's a very uh, he's a very wise man easy Connor. His... easy easy <laughs> <laughs> um going back to a question that you Sean, asked maybe 10 15 minutes ago uh about you know asking why did you bring on other practitioners um i want to kind of go back to that as another question of what what do you think the importance of is of having a network of people around you um not just for your business but just you know overall like growth as a human and accountability you know so on and so forth if you give you get that's what i think if you give you get so i I quite like having people around me that that are intelligent and clever and teach me stuff. Um, but I'm really happy to give out as well. You know, I spend a lot of my time giving free advice to people and spending time chatting and because I like it. I, I like the fact that I can give back some uh, to some of the knowledge that I've gained over the years. And you know, I mean, it's almost me paying back all those times where I felt other people have been generous with their knowledge and their time. So I think that that network is something that that actually ends up you invest a little bit of time in trying to um, generate something and it'll all come back. It, it'll all come back. There's a really good book by Adam Grant called give and take, which I mean, you, I could probably save you the read if you want. That's essentially it. <laughs> it does actually benefit <laughs> to give your time. And there's this yeah. sort of sweet spot of, there's this sweet spot of around two hours a week. If you're giving up around two hours a week to other people in service in some way or another, without expecting any any financial reward for it you get a lot more back um personally um, but also kind of pays itself back in kind of other social um, reasons and uh, various opportunities that might come back to you but, but i just quite like it i just quite like having a group of people around me that, that i can learn from and, and gain information from and lean on when i need something or i've got a question to ask i kind of know who's going to be good in that area that i can ask um there's yeah. it probably wasn't uh, necessarily that developed until I started at Pure Sports Medicine. I must admit that's something that they've been really good at teaching is the the value of having a network of people around you that can essentially do the things that you can't. I think even in my Nuffield Health days, I was still probably a little bit selfish with hanging on to people too long, partly because I didn't really believe um, or partly because I thought I could help them when I probably couldn't, but also partly because I didn't know enough people that that I could trust to send people out to. So yeah, there's definitely value in having people that you can trust to send people to, 
as as a physio, I think the, the the continuity you get from seeing someone explaining who I think they should see instead of me, them landing with that person and having an, another good experience, and then maybe landing with another person, that's really really effective, really really good. So if whereas if they just disappear off the radar and end up with some random you never heard of, they don't get the the handover. So so there's lots of for me there's loads of benefits to it, and probably only something that's taken some form of structure in the last five years uh, but it certainly works now because i'm I, whenever i'm not sure about something there's always someone i can call on to, to answer the question yeah yeah absolutely um i don't want to talk over you Sean, so i want to give him an opportunity if uh he has anything to add to that <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's so kind of you I'm, I'm trying to be polite now listen i'm done with talking over the over you i've got i mean i don't time. think i don't think that's true but that's that's fine i mean i, I feel like i'm just listening to podcasts and it's been great but you know i i think that resonates a lot with what we what con and i talk about um quite a lot as well in the you know at some point in your career or in life or whatever you're doing you kind of realize that you aren't able to do everything you know and you you develop skills and you you learn and you have knowledge on specific things and then everything else like you need to be able to have a group of people around you a network a team around you that you're able to defer to or rely rely on different people to help you out and different things and i think we all have that in common like we really value having a really good network around us and and a network of, of people with different special specialities that we can sort of bounce off of and rely on uh, to do certain things or help us out in certain ways um so yeah you know i i feel like when you have that in in you know what you do in your business and and you're kind of like again like you say your process what's been the most sort of like i guess rewarding experience you know is has there been any standout you know people that you've helped or some a specific journey of, of someone maybe coming back from injury that you weren't sure that you'd be able to to sort of fix as it were or, or something like that that's really made you believe in what you're doing and believe in your own your own system and your process uh there's 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 a few i i guess i've I've in the last few probably four or five years i've developed um a sort of niche or specialty in kind of complex cases or sort of tricky holistic cases the ones where there's a bit more going on than just an injury um mm there's there's definitely a few where i felt like i've i've really managed to turn something around that had, that i had no real right to you know one where they they just they seemingly tried everything and and i don't i don't mean to sort of like big myself up necessarily but i hadn't in my head i hadn't necessarily tried anything that complicated i just spent the time listening communicating connecting and then working them through a rehabilitation plan that basically took them from a fairly low point and uh, and to to being able to to function again you know a couple of thing couple of cases stand out in my head where they totally didn't believe they'd get better and they did so they're really cool i really love those moments it kind of helps you to to really remember why you do 
the job you know helping people ultimately is what what we're about um and yeah that that helps you me to trust the process of it and and like it doesn't always work but if i believe that i'm giving the right information even the, the times where it doesn't work out so well i i just really believe that i'm planting a seed uh, i'm planting a seed for the future maybe they'll yeah. come back to it because behavior change and and big transformational rehab is bloody hard it's really really hard you've got to commit to it and if you've had a lot of pain for a long period of time a lot of failures that could be really difficult to to achieve certainly first time so yeah you certainly not all of them go well but there's a few where i've really been uh, super pleased with how things have gone i'm really surprised that they've managed to do it but again it kind of helps to confirm the process yeah absolutely and you mentioned uh you know that physio it can sometimes and in most cases can be very complex um and as you mentioned you know in even in your tagline better never ends right i tore my acl five years ago i still do the rehab that i was given from my private sports physio because i don't ever want to be in a position where i could potentially have that injury again because it's it's horrible like being injured is it's horrible. It, it's inevitable. It does happen every now and again, but I'm trying, you, you know, you're trying to do everything in your power to, to prevent that happening. It, whether however, that is, is feasible or not. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. However, you, so I, I challenged someone the other day on this, they were asking about injury prevention for runners. And I said, well, I'm going to be a bit, <laughs> a bit sarcastic here and, and you can't prevent injuries. You can only ever reduce the risk of them happening. So there's even the fittest and strongest athletes get injured and that's not because they didn't do the right stuff. It's because they are a human and they, you know, they're alive and these yeah. things happen. So there's, there's loads of things that you can do that help reduce risk. And in your case, probably sensible to keep a strong leg uh, to reduce that risk, but you may still have an ACL, another ACL injury. Um, there, there's certain people who I will be really clear that I think that their plan is a forever plan. Yeah. Others I'll say, just keep, you know, get to this stage and then you know, live a, live a healthy, normal life that has an element of strength-based training in it. And you'll probably be fine. So it depends who it is I'm talking to and the stage of injury or, or disease they might have. Um, but yeah, sometimes it might be a forever plan and, and there's yeah. normally the patient knows it, you know, they're like, yeah, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got a long way to go. And uh, last time I stopped doing my exercises, you know, I ended up in, in a bad state. So, you know, most of them get it. Yeah, absolutely. Although, although I, I, I think as you kind of know, from my style of rehab, it quite often just ends up looking a bit like a gym plan anyway. So, um, it, it forever plan shouldn't really be a forever rehab plan. It's just stay strong mostly you know yeah. in certain situations stay strong maybe focus a little bit on this muscle here or that muscle there but ultimately stay strong you'll be okay yeah and then pass them off to um <laughs> well me james yeah james, yeah your, kind of your, your network of practitioners right exactly yeah. um yeah i think that's another benefit of so modern day wisdom you read a lot well all three of us read a lot i guess um can you share with our listeners any parting wisdom before we sign off? Maybe something <laughs> that you've learned whilst, I mean, you've given us a load of tidbits here that, mm. uh, you know, and even, I don't know how, when Nuffield was 20, it would have been what, 2016 Nuffield maybe. Yeah. Sounds um, like that. 15, and 16, I still yeah. remember that, you know, the, the, the parting wisdom that you left me was get to know the person first. Um, so if that's something that still sticks with me today, uh, 
is there anything that you could share outside of everything that you've already shared? Um, I'm reading a nice little book at the moment called Dare to Lead because um, it, it seems to um, it seems to work. I'm just starting to run this business and, and lead a team, so it seemed a nice book. Uh, bought to me by bought, actually a, nice, a good friend of mine, Hiba Ansari. She, I'll, I'll give her a, a name drop because it was very kind of her to buy this book. And yeah, it's, it's a really good book actually. I'm enjoying it, and a lot of it, a lot of the book is around vulnerability, which. I was surprised that there was so much of it in the book, but the more I read about it, the more I, I'm, I'm engaging with it, and, and the concept makes a lot of sense. You know, being, and, and and it starts with empathy. You know, really being curious about the person you're with and the person you're working with, or even just friends and family. I think it, it matters there. Um, really getting to know that person to to be vulnerable, have open conversations, don't shy away from stuff and try not to shame people as well. You know, be really careful about the words you're using and be really aware, paying attention to the words you're using so that you can really build that connection. Because once you've got a connection, really the rest is easy. I honestly believe that most of my success as a physio comes from when I get it right with the connection. If I don't connect with a person, it doesn't matter how good a physio plan I give them, they're probably not going to do it. So vulnerability, build a connection, use empathy as the, as the driving tool and the rest is easy. Solid bit of advice. Uh, where can, where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Whether it be in person, uh, on websites, uh, Instagram, go for it. The, the floor is yours. Plug everything. Oh, cool. Um, well, I'm always open to giving advice. I said earlier, I love, I love to, to give people advice. So if they do want to reach out, I'm very happy to give up my time. If they're in London, then they can come and see me. I've got a clinic in Soho. I've got uh, another site um, um, that I do, do a bit of admin in Liverpool Street. So, um, yeah, a couple of sites that they can come and see me at. And Instagram, uh, at physio underscore Charlie is my personal one. And then the business one is at better never ends. Um, I'm not really using a... a much other um social media at the moment just sort of want to do one reasonably well and then once that gets better probably get someone in to do it for me because it's quite tight it's quite hard to, to do lots of different social media and do it well so yeah i probably just focused on that at the moment amazing uh we shall pop those down in the description guys uh if you do need any advice physio wise uh go see charlie because he's absolutely fantastic charlie thank you so much for coming on to the podcast we really appreciate you sharing your time sharing your wisdom your experience um a yeah. lot of wisdom a lot yeah. of wisdom though it's been it's because, I'm older, than you. It's because I'm older than you that's all it is not that much older <laughs> I'm getting on a bit I'm getting on a bit <laughs> uh well, you've yeah so. you've still got all your hair unlike me so yeah oh I've got my dad to thank for that <laughs> I've got <laughs> Mate, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an cool. absolute pleasure. Uh, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, follow, share share uh, with your friends, family, whoever you think might find this useful. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Into the Unknown. Thank you so much for joining us Into the Unknown. Uh, if you want to connect with us and get in touch, you can find out more about me at Stoke Strength Systems on Instagram and Connor Lift Stuff for my business page. And you can find me at at usual.su.eventing on Instagram 
Yushuan Sue Eventing on Facebook and sueyushuaneventing.com. And if you want to get a bit more engaged uh, with our community and you liked this episode, please like and subscribe. Uh, follow on the on, on Spotify. And we'd also love to hear your thoughts on this episode's topics. So please drop them in the comments. Catch you next week.